You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, your daily podcast on the New York Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ed Valentine, along with co-host Pat Trana, and we're here to break down the latest Giants debacle, a Monday night loss to the Atlanta Falcons that dropped the Giants to a, a miserable, pitiful, awful disgusting whatever you want to call it one and six record patty how are you this morning boy i'm depressed after hearing that string of uh adjectives you used there well you know what else do you want me to use patty i can come up with more unacceptable uh disheartening uh ugly oh gosh yeah we we could probably empty the thesaurus on this one probably i'm just not gonna ask booger mcfarland of espn for any help coming up with ways to describe this one (laughs) (laughs) and probably not a good idea all right so giants fans you know usually we uh we segment these shows and we try to give you a crystal clear idea you know, of what each segment of the show is going to contain. And and today, you know, Patty and I were talking about this before we started, and, and really there's so many things to dissect, so many things to talk about with this particular Giants loss that it's sort of impossible to break this one into segments. I think we're just going to dive into this and and see where it goes and, uh, you know, there, there's just so much to talk about. So, Patty, let's start with this. And let's start, I think, with head coach Pat Shermer and, and some of the decisions that, that were made last night. You know, Pat Shermer came to the Giants after two years in Cleveland, 9-23 and record, which probably looks better, you know, since it was the Browns, you know, than the 9-23 and might indicate. But I seem to recall that there were some game management questions about, you know, Shermer's tenure in uh, in Cleveland. And last night, I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I'm still trying to figure out what on God's green earth Pat Shermer was thinking by running not one but two quarterback sneaks with 45 seconds left, no timeouts, the clock running and needing two scores. I haven't got a clue, you know, what that was about. I can't explain it either. I was going to ask you, if you have an idea, please explain it to me. I mean, you're down by, by as you said, a couple scores at the time. You know, the clock is working against you. You haven't, you're, I just don't get it. Your line hasn't been blocking well. So what, you know, if you're going to try a play down there, throw a pass play. You have a better chance of maybe hitting Odell or somebody. But two quarterback sneaks, I just don't get it. They wasted 40 seconds on those two sneaks, left themselves with, I think, five seconds to, to execute a kick. And as you know, they did the pop-up uh, onside kick, which, you know, the Falcons recovered. Just a very, very weird sequence, and I'm really not sure what Shermer was thinking there. You know, I get what he was saying in that you should be able to sneak the ball in from there. I get that. You should with a competent offensive line. You know, maybe with a quarterback who is actually good at running that play. 
let's remember the Giants, I don't think Eli had successfully run that play before this year since 2010. I think the Giants got by with it once or twice earlier this season for the simple reason that I think everybody was shocked that they actually ran it. In that situation, I'm actually okay with running it once if you're only down one score. But you have 45 seconds to get two scores. You have to minimize the amount of time it takes you you know, to, to get the ball into the end zone. You have to throw the football there. I just don't get it at all because two quarterback sneaks and then it became irrelevant whether the Giants scored or not because even if they recover that that onside kick, they're probably not going to have time to run a play anyway. So you effectively beat yourself by eliminating the chance for the second score. Yeah, I, I you know, nothing went right for the Giants last night. It was just, you know, other than maybe, you know, you can make an argument that Sterling Shepard and Odell both went over 100 yards, but between them, only one touchdown. Just nothing has gone right for this team, not just last night, but this season. This is this is ongoing and ongoing, and it just seems like they don't correct things. I'm not sure what they're thinking here. I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure, a little later on. But, you know, the offensive line, the schemes again, I mean, good goodness. How long is it going to take them to, to finally just say, you know what, what we're doing isn't working. Let's try something else and make a, a, a real noticeable change. I don't know, Patty, but let's continue, you know, with, with talking about Pat Shermer. And I know that, that, you know, you told me before we went on air that you've started breaking down the game film, you know, for your weekly film review that you do for The Athletic. And I think it's it's apparent, you know, Pat Shermer tried some things last night. He tried a tight end reverse. There were some jet sweeps. You know, honest to God, there was a handoff to a fullback. You know, there were some downfield shots. So, you know, I give him credit for trying some things, and yet the play calling in the end, you know, between the quarterback sneaks and, and some of those things, I wonder, to be honest with you, if he's just, sort of throwing up his hands and looking at his play card and going, I I just have no idea what we can actually block. So we'll just try this. Yeah, I mean, th- that's another problem they've had. The offensive line, you know, Nate Solder had another bad game this night. I mean, let's call it for what it is. And, and just it's so weird it really is it's so weird because that left side was supposed to be stabilized and it just lately it's just been a mess and you know people they look at the play of that side and they say oh will hernandez is screwing up there was one play i think a sack in which will hernandez appeared to be the guilty party and it was actually i think soldier's fault because i think Based on the angle that Hernandez took, he was probably expecting Solder to double team with him, and Solder didn't even look in that direction. And this is the second week in a row this has happened. And then, you know, to add to that, I think after the game, Solder said something to the effect of, you know, I didn't prepare properly or something like that. You had 11 days since your last game. What the heck have you been doing since then? I, I just... That's the last thing you want to hear. You know, it's okay if you say, I didn't play well, I need to play better. But when you say, oh, I guess I didn't play, you know, pair right, that's just not acceptable. I'm sorry. 
No, it's not, Patty. And and I I would like to know what he meant by that. I think he was on the injury report for part of the week. So, you know, I wonder how many, you know, how many reps he actually took. You know, I'm just trying to recall, you know, I do think he was on the injury list for a little bit. But you know, there was one play where Will Hernandez was clearly beaten, but but let's just say this and you know, Nate Solder is a guy that the Giants pretty much had to sign. They had to have a left tackle. There wasn't one in the draft. Unfortunately, you know, it was a, it was a need that the Giants had in a year where there just really wasn't a really, really good top-tier player available. They did the best they could, and, and we're finding out that, you know, Nate Solder is he's an adequate, average player at best, and, you know, last night he had a bad night. The entire offensive line had a bad night. You know, the, the the offensive line rebuild, you know, we asked way back in the preseason whether it was going to be better or different or what it was going to be. And and, and right now, I'm sorry, it just looks like an abject failure at this point. It does. And, and you know, look, we, we talked about this many times on this show. We have said that it is impossible for Dave Gettleman to fix all the problems that years and years and years of bad drafts, uh, poor personnel decisions, injuries, what have you, have created. We know that. We've acknowledged that. So I'm I'm not quite ready to say, you know, Gettleman is a disaster like, like uh, you know, Jerry Reese was. With that said, you know, th- they got to make this a priority. You know, I know everybody's talking about, oh, it's time to move on from Eli. They got to get a mobile quarterback in there, yada, yada, yada. I'm, I just don't know that a mobile quarterback is going to have that much more success than what Eli's having. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it, it just might be enough to get them over the hump. I, I don't know. Um, I suppose we'll find out probably after the after the bye week, which would be, a, you know, to me, if they're going to make a move to, to Kyle Lawletta, that would be the, the natural point to do that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I just... Look, it starts up front with the offensive line. And if you remember, early in the year, I think it was Shermer who said, we're going to go as far as that line takes us, you know, which is exactly what Mike Sullivan, the former offensive coordinator, said last year. And here it is. It's deja vu all over again. And it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, look at plays. I think Saquon Barkley had, what, four negative runs last night? Is that on Eli? No, that's on the offensive line. And that's where it all starts. No, you just can't. You know, we look at Eli, and 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 we'll we'll spend a segment later on talking, you know, specifically about Eli Manning. But we both say this all the time, Patty. You know, mobile quarterback once in a while is going to make you a play, but you know, and maybe in a situation last night, you know, where Eli was running for the for the pylon there, maybe a quarterback with a little better foot speed, a little better athleticism, maybe he sneaks into the end zone. But you just can't run competent, consistent offense when you can't get anybody blocked, when you can't get positive runs out of a running back as wonderful as Saquon Barkley, when you can't, because you can't block people, when you can't split him out and use him, you know, in a way as a receiver that really maximizes his talent. 
you know, when the quarterback is 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 simply trying to survive, which Eli was basically trying to survive in the first half. Things got a little bit better in the second half, but you just can't run consistent offense. You know, when and when as I said, Pat Shermer looks at his play card and you have no idea you know, whether the offensive line's going to be able to block anything for you. You know, the Giants just, they have wonderful weapons on the outside. They, whatever you think about Eli, they have a veteran quarterback who should be able to more often than not take advantage of them. And yes, the Giants need to address the quarterback situation long term, but they're never going to play consistent offense until they fix this offensive line and, and, you know, Dave Gettleman, maybe he's got an answer. You know, maybe he's got a piece in Nate Solder. I think he's got a long-term answer in Will Hernandez, but he's got to go back to the drawing board when it comes to the rest of it because the rest of it just isn't good enough. No, it's not, and it, and it's going to take time. I mean, you know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, who, who you know, for a while had one of the best offensive lines in football, that line didn't come together overnight. That was the result of a couple of years, maybe three years worth of drafts and personnel moves. Gettleman is only one year in to rebuilding that offensive line. So it's going to take time. And unfortunately, you know, people are going to look at the offense. They're going to say, oh, Eli is done. He's toast. He can't make the throws. He can't do this. He can't do that. All right, we know what Eli can and can't do at this point. And yes, he has to play better. I'm not excusing him from the mess. But, you know, I, I have a stat in, in the breakdown that I'm working on for The Athletic. And um, I'll see if I can find it to give you a, a quick uh, preview on this. This was a rather alarming stat where, let me see if I can find it real quick. Just bear with me a second here. Um it was the number of pressures and sacks. I think over the last two weeks, Eli has been sacked eight times. All right? Eight times. He has been hit, let's see, 23 times over the last two weeks. All right? So that's eight sacks, 23 quarterback hits, according to the official NFL game books, on 81 pass attempts. And and we're not even factoring in hurries which you know the, the game book doesn't record so over the last two weeks Eli has been under some sort of physical duress on 38 percent of his pass attempts how is any quarterback supposed to function under those conditions uh badly he's not patty let's yeah, yeah let, let, let's do this let's since we've ventured into Eli territory let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors and we will come back and we will spend a segment, you know, talking specifically about uh, Eli Manning and where the Giants go from here at, uh, at the quarterback spot. Giants fans, let's talk about advice. Patty and I are always being asked for it. But one thing we can't do is tell you who is going to win or lose the games. If you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. My bookie has been in business for years, has great online reviews, and offers an easy-to-use mobile site. You win, MyBookie pays. It's that simple. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and MyBookie will give you an extra $25 free play 
on deposits of more than $100. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this special offer for our listeners. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here breaking down the New York Giants' latest train wreck, a 23-20 a, uh, a to 20 loss to the Atlanta Falcons that, that dropped them to 1-6 you know, for the second straight season. We're going to spend this segment of the show more or less picking up where Patty left off in our last segment. We're going to talk about Eli Manning. And, and I just have to say this, you know, Eli threw 27 of 38 for 399 yards. What I wrote at Big Blue View was you look at those numbers, you look at, you know, the, the kind of gutty running play he made trying to get into the end zone. You look at a lot of that, and, and, and I do kudos and wet willies at Big Blue View. You'd love to give Eli kudos, but you just can't because against the team that 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 was giving up 32 points a game the Giants had six points you know with five minutes left in the game uh there were you know missed plays that we talked about and and as Patty said before it's not all on Eli but but you know you just you just look at it and you think you it it has to get better and and you start to wonder if it can yeah, I, I mean, at this point, you know, people are making the argument, and rightfully so, Eli has been the consistent throughout all this. And I have said for a number of years that I believe Eli and the offensive line are not a good match for each other. If you have offensive line issues, and and let's let's be real, the Giants have had them for years, It you know, having a guy behind center who is always going to be in one spot, you know, on 90%, 90% or more of his plays, that's not a good recipe for success. And, and, you know, look, I love Eli. I love what he's done for the franchise. It is not all his fault. But at some point you say to yourself, okay, look, we changed head coaches. We've changed offensive coordinators. We've changed offensive line. The one thing we haven't changed is the quarterback. So now do they maybe look to make that change? You know, the other thing is, is uh, you know, before the game last night, I thought perhaps maybe this would be the week that Kyle Valletta would be active. And in retrospect, you know, now I'm thinking that he may not be active until after the bye week. Because, look, if he does become active – I can just see it now. There's going to be questions about, you know, how long until you put him in a game. And that's a distraction that I, I'm thinking the coaches are not going to want to have to deal with. But I do think it's coming. I think, you know, we could see it maybe after the bye week. You know, the Giants have Washington at home this week and then they have their bye. But, you know, something ultimately is going to have to give there. Yes, it is, Patty. And, and we're, you know, we're back to this again. You just can't blame all of it on Eli Manning, you know, but sooner or later, you know, how, and how long, how many times can you just bang your head against the wall here? You know, it's, it's obvious that, you know, the one thing we said entering the season 
was that the one thing that could blow up the whole thing with the Giants offense was whether, you know, was if they couldn't get people blocked. They can't get people blocked. We've known, you know, for years that Eli Manning wasn't going to function behind a line, you know, that that couldn't get people blocked, that couldn't allow him, you know, time to to do, you know, what a quarterback needs to do, especially one who's not very mobile. You know, but at some point you're just banging your head against the wall and you have to try something different. The one thing I will say about Kyle Lawletta and the calls for Lawletta and all of that is people need to understand one thing first of all. This is a kid out of an FCS school. This is a kid who has only taken scout team reps to this point, you know, as far as we know. You know, calls for him to be playing already, calls for him to play Sunday against Washington, you know, as as the starter. Those things to me they're just not realistic. And and to expect him to come in and fix this offense is also not realistic. At some point, as you indicated, probably after the bye, when they have time to to sit down and, and begin to really get him ready, they have to get him a uniform on game days. You get him a uniform for a while. Maybe you get him into a game here and there and some mop-up duty. Eventually, you get him on the field as a starter. And, and you can't say, oh, Kyle Oletta is going to be the long-term answer. We don't know. Nobody knows. But the succession plan has to start somewhere. And it has to start by finding out about Loletta, you know, at, at some point this season. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, they made that mistake last year with Davis Webb. And I really doubt that they're going to make that same mistake. They can't. You know, it looks like they're headed for another, you know, top five draft pick this, you know, in, in the next draft. You've got to know what you have. You have to put a, a plan of succession in place. And I don't think that they had one necessarily maybe they had a loose idea what they were going to do but you know they've got to start firming that up especially if they decide that you know look we've got to move on from Eli after this year well let's talk about moving on from Eli after this year a little bit Patty you know the the idea of moving on from Eli after this year I mean I get it I understand it you know you can't keep as I've said you can't keep beating your head against the wall here you know, but I think that you have to also be realistic in the idea that it's not going to be easy to replace Eli Manning. There's no guarantee. We don't know that the Giants are going to be in a position to draft. You know, the the heir apparent. You know, this coming. Uh, you know, this coming spring. We don't know that Kyle Lawletta is going to play well enough if and when he gets his chance. You know, and we're we're and we're hearing all the rumors: Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, this guy, that guy. Uh, you know, whoever. But the you know the reality of it is the situation that the Giants might be in. You know, Eli still has a contract for next year. We might be in a situation where he's the quarterback again next year. I don't know. You know, nobody's going to love that idea, but but I suppose that it's still a possibility. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, what might make the most sense, and I know people are going to say, nope, cut at the cord, rip the Band-Aid off, whatever. But I could see a scenario much like what Kansas City did last year with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. They kept 
the rookie on board. You know, they gave him some snaps here and there. And then they moved on from Alex Smith. They were able to trade him to Washington, get some draft picks, um, and, and, you know, move on. I can see that happening again where, you know, maybe they bring a, you know, if Lawless is not the answer, maybe they bring in a young quarterback via the draft. Let him sit. Let him learn behind Eli. But this time, instead of, you know, remaining committed to Eli, at some point you say, okay, you know what? We're going to move on. Kind of kind of similar if you remember when Eli was the rookie. You remember they had Kurt Warner there. And, um, you know, Kurt Warner started, I think, like the first six or seven games, and then they moved on from him. Is it the most ideal situation in terms of the cap? Probably not. But it's also a way to, you know, I guess uh, save face, you know, given all that Eli has meant to the franchise while at the same time, you know, moving on ahead. Patty, you know, the thing of it is, is the Giants, and I've written at Big Blue View, the Giants, you know, pretty much tried to have their cake and eat it too. I mean, with a roster that was 3-13 and a year ago, you know, one of the worst rosters in the league, they they tried to to stay with Eli Manning while they massaged the rest of the roster you know they hoped that that they could put enough pieces you know around Eli with Saquon Barkley with Odell Beckham with James Betcher you know running a a revamped defense you know with a, a rebuilt offensive line they hoped they could put enough pieces together you know to at least be competitive while they tried to fix this roster it's not working it was always an odd sort of way to go about it you be you know sort of rebuild from underneath while you keep the 37 year old quarterback right now it's just not working and you know but it's not easy to it's just not easy to come up with the answer at quarterback and and if you don't have a clear a clear path a clear plan I can't see you know trading a bunch of draft resources for Derek Carr um I'm not convinced that someone like Teddy Bridgewater is the answer. We haven't seen Teddy Bridgewater play football for years now. I'm not convinced, again, that trading draft resources for someone like Jacoby Brissett is the answer. It it might just be that you have to that you have to live with, you know, with Eli for, for a little while at this point. You know, for the simple reason that that you don't have that clear that that clear succession plan, that clear answer in place. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, it. I believe I saw somewhere where they said that they did have an idea about the succession plan. I think Shermer was quoted as saying that. But it, it's clear to me that you know maybe they have a general idea what they want to do. And when they want to do it, but they also remember kind of dug a hole for themselves when they both came out, they being Shermer and Gettleman, saying that Eli had years with the S on there, so plural, left in his arm. Now, you know, there's two schools of thought here. You know, you either rip the Band-Aid off and start over or you say, you know what, he's playing behind a garbage offensive line again. Let's see what he can do behind a, a, a good offensive line. You know, we've got the receivers that we need. we got the tight ends we need. We finally have a running game. What we don't have is, is an offensive line. And, you know, we've seen him function before behind a solid offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see which door 
Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer take in the offseason. Yes, it is, Patty. With that said, let's take another quick break for another word from our sponsors. We'll come back and we will talk about some of the many, many other things that are wrong with the New York Giants football team. Giants fans, I probably don't need to tell you that it's crazy how much it costs for you to purchase new brand name clothing. Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store, can help you. Swap is a great place to discover incredible discounts on gently worn clothing. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on brands like Lululemon, Carter's, J. Crew, Nike, and Gap. Quality hand-inspected items are added daily, and if something you order doesn't fit, you can simply return it with no hassle within 30 days. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to try Swap today and get 30% off your first order. Giants fans, we all love a night out, whether that's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite sports team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. Sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here, wrapping up our third and final segment of today's Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, we've talked about Pat Shermer. We've talked about Eli Manning. We've talked a lot about the offensive line. But, Patty, this is a one-in-six football team. It's a football team that's gone, what now, 4-19 and in its last 23 games. This this is a football team, you know, that has, obviously, those two things, quarterback and offensive line, are, are the big ones. But this is a football team that's got, that's got problems all across the defense. You know, it's a football team that's a mess. It is. It, it, it really is. It's just, you know, I, I think that you can count on one hand the number of things that have, have been positive. You know, you can look to Saquon Barkley. You could look at, you know, the, the play of Lorenzo Carter on defense. Um, Aldrich Rosas is having a good year. Riley Dixon seems to be having a good year. Last night, Quadri Henderson looked very promising as a punt returner. Uh, so that was a positive. But, you know, it, it, it's hard to find much else. You know, Odell, you could say, is having a, you know, a, a good year. Sterling Shepard. 
but beyond that, it, it's just you know bits and pieces here and there, and they they just they need more guys to have better years than than what they're currently getting. Patty, it's just not easy to rebuild an NFL roster. And, I mean, we could go through player by player and say, well, they should have kept this player. They should have kept that player. You know, they should have kept DJ Fluker. They should have, you know, they should have kept Devon Kennard. You know, they should have kept Darian Thompson instead of Curtis Riley. But you, know, you also have to remember, these guys were all part of 3-13. and They were all part of, you know, for in large part, they're all part of, you know, more than one losing season. So you move on, you get you get a new coach, you get a new GM, you get new coordinators, you have new ideas on the players and, and the and the things that they want. You know, the, the problem is as as you've said and I've said multiple times, it takes more than one off season to, to fix this mess. I think the problem that we have is I think that by staying with Eli and and by saying they felt like they could win with him and saying that he still had multiple years left, I think whether they said it out loud or not, they set an expectation that they thought they could win now. And, and the reality of it is that the Giants, even maybe by signing guys like Nate Solder and Jonathan Stewart, but the reality of it is the Giants are a downtrodden, rebuilding football team with a long, long way to go, you know, before they're a good one again. Yeah. I mean, again, we said it earlier in the program, this is what years and years of bad drafts and personnel decisions have have, have resulted in. You know, you, it, you're not going to hit on every single decision you make. I mean, nobody does. But you have to hit on the majority of them. And unfortunately, the Giants have missed on the majority of them. And, and you know, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, if, if you were to start making a list of the offseason needs right now, you know, offensive line, number one on the list. You know, quarterback, you you, you know, that depending on how Lovetta plays, you, you could put that maybe as 1A. Um, free safety is another spot, um, you know, getting um getting maybe some more um linebackers because i still think they're 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 not quite as strong on the interior uh there with their inside linebackers so you can make a list you know cornerback depth is another one um pass rush (laughs) pass rush well yeah well i think they have in the pass rush i mean i'd like to see more but i kind of like you know Carter has shown a lot of promise. I think Vernon, when he is healthy, you know, he he helped make some plays last night. People aren't going to give him credit on the stat sheet, but there was one play, I think it was a sack, in which Vernon drew a double team, and that freed up one-on-one situations, and and I think it was Carter that beat his and got the sack because, because of the double team. So... You know, there's promise there, but, you know, just so many things that need to be fixed. And I'm sure when Gettleman sits down with the media at the end of the year and says, "Okay, look, guys, this is what I'm going to have to do. I mean, he he was very forthcoming about it last year. I can't see why he would he wouldn't be again this year. No, but it's definitely I, I think that there were there were expectations set or maybe people read into that. And obviously, you know, this is 
I don't think the Giants expected to be one and six. Eli Manning, you know, said last night that he's shocked to be one and six again. I think the Giants were hoping that they would at least, you know, hover around the 500 mark, at least be competitive, give the fans some reason for optimism. You know, but this is going to be a lot more painful than than anyone, you know, really, you know, wanted it to be or really acknowledged that it would be. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no real, there, at this point, there's just no denying that. No, there isn't. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, I I see on my Twitter timeline the agony of the fans. You know, I hear, you know, I see the letters to the editor, the, the letters that we get at, at um, our email address, LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. You know, people are hurt. They spend hard-earned money, you know, to go and be entertained uh, by a, a good product what they expect to be a good product for three, four hours every weekend. And they're not getting what they're paying for. And, and, and they're angry and, and rightfully so. It's like, you know, you go to a restaurant and that restaurant gives you bad service and a bad product, you know, bad food. You've got every right to complain because you're paying for it, you know? So, you know, I, I feel the, 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 you know, I feel it, feel your fans. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's not easy for us as media members to write about a losing team. I know there's a, a misconception out there that, oh, the media must love it because there's drama, there's there's dissension, there's this, there's that. I'd rather write about a winning team any day of the week. I don't like having to do, you know, these long, you know, epic film breakdowns like what I'm doing, you know, like what I'm working on now as we record this. I'd rather just say, look, here are the plays that made the difference. These were great plays. Here's why. And be done with it. And Patty, it's no fun to to walk into that locker room and 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 talk to guys who you know who are down, who are you know who are beaten, who know that their season is over, who just don't have they don't have answers for you. They don't have explanations. They're they're playing as hard as they can. They're doing what they they're doing what they can do, you know. But but they but it's just not resulting in in wins and and it's no fun trying to talk to these guys because they just like I said they're down and, and and they don't they don't know what to say so it it's it's hard so it's just hard for everybody uh but it's it it's going to be a long haul here Giants fans it's not going to be uh it, it obviously I think everybody hoped for a quick fix and and it's just not going to happen it's not. I wish. I wish it would happen. I mean, heck, I would love to to you know be planning on postseason and whatnot. But it just it Rome wasn't built in a day, and this is a massive, massive rebuild project. And I think where there's particularly more dis- disappointment is the fact that you know management. And I understand why they did this, but they basically said, "Look, we're going to aim to compete here." They never used the word we're rebuilding, even though that's what it was. You know, if, if you looked at the, the personnel decisions and, and whatnot, that's what it was. But they never used that. So some people took them at face value and say, oh, you know, the Giants are going to be competitive. Things are going to be better than, than they were last year. They're going to win. You know, they're, they're capable of winning X number of games. And in retrospect, 
that was not the case. You know, the other thing that, that, you know, I know I was counting on and, and I haven't seen it happen because they just haven't gelled is I figured, you know, new, new system, new coaches, new players, maybe they would surprise some teams, but just, they haven't been able to put it all together. And that's probably what's been most disappointing. Patty, the last thing I will say is this, this is year one with a new head coach and a new general manager. Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have been in this business for a long time. And I know that right now, you know, people are, as you said, people are hurting, people are upset, people are, you know, there are people out there already calling for for Dave Gettleman's job and for Pat Shermer's job. I, I don't think you can give up on these guys at this point. I'm not ready to say in any way, shape, or form, you know, that these two guys cannot eventually get this right. I think that that they need a little bit of time. Let's see what happens after another offseason. Let's let's see what happens in terms of putting a quarterback plan in place. Let's see what happens in terms of rebuilding this offensive line. Let's see if if Dave Gettleman can find this offseason in the draft or in free agency a couple more pieces that can help this offensive line. Uh, what I want to say is don't give up on these two guys and don't say, well, they just don't have the answers. I don't think we have seen enough time. We we haven't given them enough of a chance yet to be able to, to figure out whether or not they'll eventually be able to fix this. You're spot on with that. I mean, you know, even Ben McAdoo got a, a year, you know, and, and you know, it, it was different circumstances. And ultimately, you know, we found out that he wasn't, quite a fit for that but Gettleman has done it before he built a Super Bowl contender in Carolina you know Shermer you know his path his coaching path hasn't you know been stellar you know if you look at just the record but I think you've pointed this out on past shows that considering what he had to work with when he was the head coach of Cleveland that he was able to get some wins out of those guys was was you know pretty impressive you know and, and this is a guy who last year with the Vikings, you know, ran a very efficient and, and potent offense. You have to have the pieces. You can only do so much. Now, with that said, you know, people will look at the play calling. They will look at, you know, the decisions that are being made and they'll say, well, Shermer doesn't have it. But what you have to consider is that maybe he's calling what's best given the talent level he knows he has and he's going with something that maybe he thinks is going to work because he can't really run what he wants to run because he doesn't have all the pieces he needs to make it work. That's a possibility that you have to take into consideration. But I agree with you. I think to give up on Gettleman and Shermer at this stage of the game is just it, – it, it's not you know the way to go. No, it's not, Patty. I think uh... – I, I think at this point, I think we should probably call it a show, Patty. I think that uh, that considering where the Giants are at this point, I think we've hit most of the uh, most of the things that we need to hit today. So we will call it a show. We'll be back on Wednesday probably with another show as we quickly sort of begin to turn toward the Redskins. In fact, now that I think of it, that will be the the crossover Wednesday show that we will do with Chris Russell of Locked On Redskins 
And then Thursday, we'll be back with our, what we usually do as a Twitter Tuesday will be a Twitter Thursday. So get your questions into, uh, into Patty on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina or to me at, you know, Big Blue View uh, or to uh, Locked on Giants podcast at Gmail. And we will try to get to the, the best ones on Thursday. So thank you as always for listening, Giants fans, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Giants fans, looks like we have some breaking Giants news with uh, the report that Eli Apple has been traded to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, So that you folks know, this news happened after Patty and I recorded our Tuesday show. So we're we're doing a little bit of an addendum here that we're adding into the show. Patty, looks like like if you want to call it a teardown, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, but it looks like things are going to get interesting here for the Giants at the trade deadline. Yeah, um, you know, Eli Apple, the second uh, top 10 draft pick of the Giants this year to be jettisoned. He was a uh, a first-round pick, number 10 overall, I think, in 2016. And he joins Eric Flowers, who was, you know, the ninth overall pick, I think, the year before, um, as being sent packing. This time, though, the Giants were able to get a fourth-round pick from the Saints uh, from 2019 and a seventh-rounder in 2020, according to ESPN reports. Um, Eli Apple, who who has had a rocky tenure here with the Giants, had a rocky showing last night, now on his way to New Orleans. I guess if you throw in uh, Justin Pugh and... Jason Pierre-Paul, then I think the only Jerry Reese first-round draft picks left on this roster, if I'm not mistaken, are Evan Ingram and Odell Beckham. Yep, that's correct. And and uh, Beckham, of course, got his second contract from the team, one of the rare first Giants first-round draft picks to get a second contract. Um you know, just just such an abysmal record. I mean, we have talked about this over and over. Don't want to sound like a broken record here, but the drafting done by this team under Jerry Reese is just a it it, it has played such a huge part in the mess that this team has become. And now, as Dave Gettleman tries to sort through all this and clean it all up, you know, there's going to be cap hits to be taken. There's going to be dead money. I mean, it's going to take a while to fix all this. I mean, I think this is a multi-year project. Patty, you know, that uh, that remains to be seen, but we have the, the trade deadline coming up at the end of this month. Other names that I think we could see on the block for the Giants, you know, you just look at the big contracts, look at the guys in their second, in their second contracts. I would assume that, you know, Damon Snacks Harrison is going to draw some interest. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Janoris Jenkins might draw some interest. Olivier Vernon might draw some interest. You know, some of the younger guys might might draw interest as well. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, what teams are willing to, to offer the Giants, who the Giants are willing to move. But, but like I said, this – this next week or so just got really, really interesting for the Giants, and, and uh, I have a feeling that 
that coming out of the bye, the Giants will look, you know, in, in another week, the Giants will look a lot different. And maybe what we're seeing here is Dave Gettleman doing something smart and realizing that they have to rebuild this team through the draft. And the only way to do that is to is to stockpile some picks and, and start again. Yeah, you know, to your point about possibly moving other players, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, I've got this on my to-do list as, as we record this addendum, but I'm going to take a look and see realistically who they might be able to move. You you, you got to look at the cap. You can't just throw out names and contracts and, and, and blindly say, oh, this guy's going to draw interest or this guy might get moved. You have to look at the cap situation. And I'm going to I'm going to try and get that done today, um, you know. I'm just day after. It's funny. I think I said to you before we started recording, why couldn't the Giants have done this last week? We had the time to, you know, to really sit and play with it. But um, yeah, you you know, the team, obviously, they got to be torn down and, and Gettleman is not waiting. He's jumping on that now. He's trying to stockpile some draft picks because as I think we've discussed before, the Giants are not projected to get any comp picks in 2019, I'm pretty sure that that as you know, their signings uh, outweighed their losses. So um, because they're not getting any picks, because they have already spent a third round pick to get Sam Beal in the supplemental draft, because they um, you know they sent one of their seventh round picks to Denver for Riley Dixon. I mean, they have to stockpile draft picks in some way, shape, or form, and this is what bad teams do and and it's just going to be interesting to see how they 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 make use of it but um certainly a, a, a you know the teardown has begun yes it has buckle up giants fans wild ride ahead who knows where it'll lead but you know, with the giants at one and six it looks you know for the second straight year looks like this has to be done all right so uh giants fans thank you uh for for uh listening And uh, back to your regularly scheduled podcasting.